influential people within American Christianity are teaching things that are contrary to the Bible. And many people follow these leaders without looking at what they teach critically and through the lens of the Bible. Welcome to the Fox Den with Terry Fox. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Fox Den. In my last episode, I covered the five solas, and the first sola we covered was sola scriptura. Now, perhaps you can accept the concept of sola scriptura, the idea that Scripture alone has the authority to command what we believe and how we behave. Scripture alone tells us how to be saved. But do you know why sola scriptura is important? In this episode, I want to answer that question. But before I do this, I want to review why the Bible has the authority to tell us what to believe and how to behave. Paul says that all Scripture is breathed out by God. He tells us that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And that means both the Old Testament and the New Testament are God's Word. And since the Bible is God's Word, it is authoritative. It has the right to command what you believe and how you behave. So that's a basic overview of the authority of Scripture. So for a more thorough review, listen to episode 29. So Sola Scriptura is important because it's God's Word and therefore authoritative, having the right to command what we believe and how we behave. And again, the Bible alone tells us how to be saved, but there's more. I'm currently reading a book titled The Suicide of American Christianity by Michael LeMay. It was published back in 2012, so it's a bit outdated. However, though I don't agree with everything that LeMay says, he does a good job revealing problems within American Christianity. And he does a good job exposing the false teachings or inconsistencies of many prominent Christian leaders in the United States. Very popular people. LeMay identifies several key leaders who have led many people astray by teaching them things inconsistent with or contrary to the Bible. Now, I'm not going to name who these people are, but I will show you several things they teach. And I believe this exercise will help you see how the Bible helps us identify what is false about their teachings. And with this in mind, if their teaching is not in line with the Bible, then should you believe these teachers? What is authoritative? The Bible or these teachers? These men are popular, which means many people are listening to them. And these people are either being taught incorrect things or being led astray. So I think it will be helpful for you to see how the Bible informs us what is correct and how it helps us identify things that are false. Now, perhaps you're thinking, why doesn't Terry tell us who is teaching these things so that we can know who I should be aware of? Well, quite frankly, you don't need to know who these teachers are. You need to know what the Bible teaches so that you can identify things that are false. Several years ago, I heard an illustration concerning this. Supposedly, bank tellers don't learn what a counterfeit bill looks like. They know the real thing so well that they can identify the counterfeit. In other words, they know it's a counterfeit because it's not real because they know the real bill so well. And that's the same thing here with Christianity. You don't need to study false religions to know what is false or to even see how they're false. You need to know Christian doctrine, which is communicated in the Bible so that you can identify the counterfeit. Now, at this point, let me say that not all Christians agree on everything. For example, I'm ordained by a denomination that baptizes infants. Baptists don't baptize infants. However, one of us is wrong. Now, I'm not going to say here that Presbyterians are correct and Baptists are wrong. That's not really the point. 
And without a doubt, I believe that my position is correct, or I wouldn't be a Presbyterian minister. But again, that's not my point here. I'm not making a case for infant baptism in this episode. I just want you to see that Christians are going to disagree on some points. Nevertheless, though we don't agree with one another on this point of baptism, we still see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We simply disagree on this issue. So there are some issues that are peripheral. These are issues that we don't break fellowship over. Now, the reason why we disagree is that we are sinful and we don't see the things of God clearly. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6-14. through 14. In particular, verse 11 says, Only the Spirit of God comprehends the thoughts of God. And verse 14 says, The things of God are spiritually discerned. So we're still on this side of the grave. We're still sinful. We still see dimly. We don't always see the things of God clearly. Now, certainly God has communicated clearly. However, our sinful and dull minds don't always see what God has communicated. So we disagree not because God is at fault. We disagree because we're sinful and we don't see things clearly. God has clearly communicated. He's not the problem. We're the problem. So the reason why you have all these different denominations is because we don't see things clearly because of our own sinfulness. But glory be to God for his grace that he is kind to us, even though we disagree on points and we don't see the things of God clearly. Now, there are some teachings that are concerning. First, I don't think it's a big deal if you think there should be instruments or not. I don't think it's a big deal if you think we should sing out of hymnals or contemporary music. Those I would consider peripheral issues. But there are some major issues that are concerning. For example, if someone were to say that Jesus is not God, That's a major departure from biblical teaching. Or if someone were to say that you need to do a bunch of good deeds in order to go to heaven, that's a major point of concern, because that's contrary to what the Bible teaches. We looked at this in the last episode. We are saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. So some things might be minor deviations from biblical teaching, and they're not as concerning. But there are some major false teachings, and those should be avoided. I hope I'm making sense at this point. We're probably going to disagree on a lot of issues, but there are some deviations or false teachings so significant that we should not sit under anyone who promotes them. Now, many of the issues that LeMay identifies in his book are major areas of concern. And here's the reason why. First, they're false teachings. They're just simply incorrect and unbiblical. But second, influential people within American Christianity are teaching things that are contrary to the Bible. And many people follow these leaders without looking at what they teach critically and through the lens of the Bible. In essence, they're leading people astray. Now, I said I wasn't going to call out these people by name. However, I'm going to give you the title of one man's book, and you'll know who it is. One prominent leader wrote a book titled Your Best Life Now. This title's never set well with me. I understand what he's trying to get at in this book. He's trying to help people live better here on earth. But it implies that your best life is here on earth. And if you'll have your best life now, what's your eternity going to look like? Seems like hell. Furthermore, the title of his book is a distortion of life for Christians. Christians are persecuted around the world. Both Paul and Peter were executed. So this teacher is promoting a prosperity gospel. 
And that's counter to what the Bible teaches. So what does the Bible say about our life here on earth? Well, first, after Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, God told him that he would struggle and die. Second, the Bible says that we'll encounter suffering. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6. There it says you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings. He doesn't say if, when Christians endure suffering. And take a look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. There Paul says that it has been granted to us that we should suffer for Christ's sake. And then speaking to Timothy, Paul said, share in the suffering as a good soldier in Christ Jesus. He says that in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. And look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. There Peter says that we have been called to suffer for doing good. A book titled Your Best Life Now should be very concerning. I get why people buy it and read it, but it should be very concerning because it's contrary to what the Bible teaches. I think it throws people a curveball. They're waiting for their best life now and they suffer. And then they get discouraged because they're suffering. But they're looking at the wrong book. The Bible's very clear. We are going to suffer. We're not going to have our best life now. Our best life is coming when Jesus returns and calls us from the grave. And we live in eternity with him in body and soul. Well, LeMay discusses this man's interview with Larry King. And you can find an excerpt of this interview on page 166 of LeMay's book. So when King asked him about whether those who believe in Christ go to heaven and those who don't go to hell, this man, he said he didn't know if that's true. He didn't know if they go to hell if they don't believe in Jesus. This man is a pastor of perhaps the largest church in America, and he doesn't know if non-believers go to hell. But Jesus knew, and this is what he said in John chapter 3, verse 18. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who don't are condemned already. How did this man not know this? Now, certainly when King asked this question, he was asking as a skeptic. I don't think King is a believer. So I think he's being critical of the Bible for even raising the question. So who has authority here, King or Jesus? And then furthermore, Jesus said that he is the way. He says that in John chapter 14, verse 6. Now, Jesus didn't say he is a way. He said he is the way. So those outside of Christ go to hell. Those in Christ go to heaven. He is the way. And then there was another Christian leader that LeMay discussed. And this leader said that he teaches his disciples power first, then the word of God. By the way, you can find this quote on page 187 of LeMay's book. But do you see the problem with this statement, power first, then the word of God? It openly subordinates the word of God to power, as if the word of God lacks power. And what this man fails to see is that the Word of God is power. As I said earlier in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Paul said that all Scripture is breathed out by God. And then we also see the power of God's Word in John chapter 11. In verse 43, Jesus called Lazarus from the grave. And in verse 44, we see Lazarus walk out of the grave. Now, this wasn't a living man trapped in a grave. He'd been dead for four days. Jesus called him back to life by his voice. So power first, then the word of God? The word of God has power. The word of God is the power. By the voice of Jesus, or by his word, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And by his voice, he's going to raise you from the dead. We see that in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. 
And then in another quote on page 187, this man said the gospel wasn't going to win souls. However, when you look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16, you see that the gospel is the power of God to save those who believe. So not only can the gospel save souls, it is the power of God to save souls. So this man directly contradicted the Bible, yet people followed him. Who are you going to believe? The Apostle Paul, who was inspired by God to write the Bible, or several letters of the Bible? Are you going to follow this man who contradicts Scripture? The Apostle Paul says the gospel is the power of God, yet this man says the gospel won't save souls. And then also on page 187 of LeMay's book, this man speaks of being transported by angels into heaven where they perform surgery on him. So here's my real point in bringing this up. First, where in the Bible do we see angels performing surgery on humans? Second, it's not verifiable. There's no way we can verify whether or not he went to heaven, where angels perform surgery on him. So who are you going to believe? The Bible or this man? So why are these people so influential? Well, I believe the reason is multifaceted. And the first is that many people are biblically illiterate. They just don't know the Bible well enough, so they're easily swayed one way or the other. You see, this is why knowing the Bible is so important, so that you can see these kinds of things. And you can judge them according to Scripture. But people don't know the Bible very well, and so they're easily duped. Second, people focus on their lives here on earth and not on the life to come. We live in a sinful world and we feel the effects every day. Loved ones die, our bodies are falling apart. As we get older, relationships break, and a host of other things. I believe that people want to escape the sinful conditions they live in. And these people are so influential because many of them speak of making the earthly life better. But the focus is wrong. We shouldn't focus on our lives here on earth. I mean, sure, we have to attend to the business of the day. We have to pay our bills. We have to bring in income to feed our families. We have to obey the law. We have to live in a manner that honors God. But this isn't our home. Our home is heaven. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Take a look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. He tells us to set our minds on things above, not on things of the earth. And do you know why he says this? Because heaven's our home. We're merely aliens here on earth. We're sojourners. It's like an airport waiting to get on the airplane to go home. The airport's not our home. Our home is heaven. We're going to rise from the dead, enter into eternal glory in body and soul, and enjoy fellowship with God forever. But that doesn't happen now. We're waiting to go home. Yet we live in a manner that is honorable to our king. We live as kingdom citizens now while we wait to go home. We will never escape the sinful effects that we live with every day until we die. That's when we'll be free. Solo Scriptura is important because it alone informs us about God about who we are, about Jesus Christ, about how God saves, and about how we're to live. Anything that contradicts the Bible is false. The minister's job is not to find fresh revelation or to find a new interpretation of the Bible. That's dangerous. The minister's job is to communicate what the Bible says. And when a minister preaches, he is not to put his spin on the text. He is to communicate what the text means. Do you know why? Because when the minister preaches, Jesus speaks. 
And that means the minister is the voice box of Jesus. You see, when I craft a sermon, I study the text and I write out what the text means, but I do it in my words. And by that, I mean it's in my style, the words I choose to communicate what the text says. Now, I can prepare a sermon on the same text as a fellow minister, and the two of us will come up with a completely different sermon. Is it because we both have a fresh revelation of the text? No, we can see the same things and communicate them differently. We see the same thing happen in the Gospels. You have four different Gospels communicating the same good news of Jesus Christ, yet they're stylistically different. So my sermon is written in my style, but when I proclaim the text, Jesus speaks. Now perhaps you're thinking that I'm thinking I have some special preaching power where I can invoke the voice of Jesus. No, I'm telling you what Jesus said in John chapter 10 and what Paul said in Romans chapter 10 verse 14. In order to come to faith, you must hear the voice of Christ. You don't simply have to hear about Jesus in order to come to faith. Jesus himself calls you. You have to hear the voice of Christ in order to come to faith. And how does that happen today? Through the preacher. Remember, God's word is breathed out by God. And when it is communicated through the preacher, Jesus speaks. Now, if you want to learn a little bit more about this, I do talk about this in more detail in episode 26. The Bible is God's word to you, and therefore it's your standard for faith and life. Or said another way, the Bible tells you what to believe and how to behave. And with this in mind, preaching is important. Preaching is proclaiming the word of God. And why do I have to hear the preaching when I can read the Bible? Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, that faith comes by hearing. Now, at this point, let me take a slight detour. One mistake that we make in American Christianity is to think that churches with a large number of members or attendees are successful churches. And this is faulty thinking. A small church that faithfully proclaims the Word of God is more successful than a large church that doesn't. Just because a church is large doesn't mean they're really successful or that God has even blessed them. So large numbers don't really mean anything. Many so-called churches have lots of people and do lots of church things, but that doesn't make them successful. Are their members improving their biblical literacy, which enables them to identify false teachings? Are their members maturing spiritually, growing stronger in their understanding of their salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone? Are their members more prepared to rest in the grace of God when they sin? Or do they resort to ways to appease God when they do sin? You see, these seem to be better measures of success than how many people attend or how big the budget is. A small, financially struggling church that faithfully preaches the gospel is more successful than a large church that doesn't. Well, I guess I got sidetracked there in that last point, but I think it's important to make this point. So let me conclude here by saying Sola Scriptura is important because it not only tells us what to believe and how to behave, it also identifies false teachings and false teachers. And it does this by teaching the truth. When confronted with someone's teaching, including mine, what will be your standard, the man or the Bible? And do you know what Paul said about those who preach a gospel other than that which is in the Scripture? Well, he tells us in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 9, if we preach a gospel contrary to the Scripture, Paul says, let him be accursed. You see, the Bible alone is the standard. The Bible alone is the authority that tells us what to believe and how to behave. 
That concludes this episode. If you have any questions, please email me at terry at thefoxdenjournal.com. If you enjoy The Fox Den, please leave a positive review and share this podcast with others. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. The Fox Den is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Thanks for listening. And remember, faith comes by hearing.